Have you ever been to a restaurant uh, planning to enjoy a good meal only to arrive and be denied, be denied a seat and to be sent away? Uh, that's happened only once to me in Rocky Mount. Uh, we had family in town visiting and we decided to go over to the Prime Smokehouse, uh, not far from our house. Uh, we really like the Prime Smokehouse. I recommend it. This is not to dog on them. It's a good restaurant. But this just happened to be during one of those uh, weekends of the year when it seems like everybody's eating out, right? So Mother's Day or Valentine's Day, something like that. And, and I walked in and, and I asked the hostess for a table. And her response was a question. Do you have a reservation? Do you have a reservation? The hostess had her book there in front of her at the stand, and the issue was this. Was my name in that book? Had I planned ahead, had I made the appropriate arrangements, then we would have had a table, but I had not. And there was no table for my group. And so we had to settle for something other than the Prime Smokehouse that evening. In just a few minutes, we're going to approach a different table. Uh, We're going to come to the Lord's table. Where we're going to take the bread and the cup as we remember how Jesus saved us on the cross. But this Lord's Supper that we take this morning is just a precursor. It is a picture, an appetizer, a shadow of the great feast to come. Uh, The book of Revelation pictures a great day in which Jesus will bring all his people safely through the day of judgment, and then they will feast with him at what the Bible calls the marriage supper of the Lamb. Uh, Heaven, heaven, is truly a world beyond words. But the words that God uses to help us get a sense of just how great heaven will be are words about feasting. Uh, The people of God will be as a bride, and heaven will be our wedding day. And we will rejoice in our Savior's love, And we will feast with Him at the table of delights. Heaven is pictured as a banquet of love and joy. And Mount Hermon, I hope you long for that day. I hope you desire that day. I hope you pine for that day. It will be the greatest day. The day of the marriage supper of the land will be the beginning of endless joy. But Revelation tells us something else. It tells us that not everyone is going to have a seat at that great banquet table. That if you wait until the last day, and then you try and get a seat, your experience will be like mine over at the Prime Smokehouse. You will be turned away. And the consequences will be far more serious. And they will last into eternity. And so here is the all-important question for all of us this morning. Do you have a reservation? 
for that great feast to come. Jesus is the host of heaven. That's why we call this the Lord's table. Jesus is the host at this table because it is a picture of the ultimate Lord's table to come. Will Jesus be expecting you at his table? Will he welcome you? Will he show you to your seat? A seat that was purchased for you by his blood. Or God forbid, as you come to approach that table, will he say, depart from me. For I never knew you. Just as that hostess at the Prime Smokehouse had her book in front of her. Containing the names of those people who had reservations. So Revelation speaks of a book in heaven. It's a book called the Lamb's Book of Life. And it is a reservation book. I cannot overstate how important it is that our names be in that book. And so this morning, as we prepare for the Lord's Supper, we're going to look at just a few passages in Revelation that teach us about this special book. And as we do so, I'm going to make six observations. So that's our sermon this morning. Six truths about the Lamb's Book of Life. Have your Bibles open. You want to see these words for yourself because what this book says is far more important than anything that I'm going to say. So here we go. Look with me first at Revelation 20. Revelation 20. I want to start here because this is the passage that we've looked at in our last two Lord's Supper messages. And this passage makes absolutely clear just how very important this book really is. I'll remind you that this passage is about you and me. Uh, This passage is about a day in our future. You and I are in these verses. This This passage is about an appointment that God has set for us to appear before Him. Look at what it says, Revelation 20, beginning in verse 11. Verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and Him who was seated on it. And from his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. And then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they had done, And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So here we are before the judgment seat of God. And we're told that all people are there. All people, even Christians, are there. Uh, Paul said that we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And, And he wrote that to Christians. 
So all of us, all people, every background, every ethnicity, every class, every race, we're all there. And books are opened. Books, plural. We're told in verse 12 that these books, plural, are used as the basis for our judgment. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. So, so what is in these books that are opened? It's, it's a record of our deeds. It's a record of our lives. Our, our every thought, our every word, our every action. We've already shown in past sermons that these books include both what you've done externally and what you've thought and you felt internally. These books are the record of all your public actions and they are the record of all of your private actions. These books are the record of our lives and they are the evidence that will be presented before God on the day of our accounting. This is how you might refer to these books. These are the books of evidence. And then there's this other book. It's called the book of life. And notice that God's judgment is not carried out until this book is consulted. So here's our first truth about the Lamb's book of life. Number one, the Lamb's book of life decisively, decisively determines how your deeds recorded in the books of evidence affect you. Let me say that again. The Lamb's book of life decisively determines how your deeds recorded in the books of evidence affect you. Now, here is what I mean by that. If your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, then that means you are not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. You do not have faith. And Romans 14, 23 says that whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. In other words, it doesn't matter how good a deed may look in the eyes of the world. If that deed is not motivated by faith, if that deed is not carried out in a relationship to Jesus, done for His honor, depending on His strength, then that deed is a criminal deed. You can feed the hungry in a sinful way. Every second that a person lives in unbelief is a second that they are living in rebellion against God's purpose for their life. And so for the person who stands before God, having lived and died as an unbeliever, every thought, every attitude, every word, every action, it's all counted as sin. Even the best actions of that person's life, the actions they were counting on to get them into heaven, the actions they thought, well, my good deeds will outweigh my bad deeds, they will find that those good deeds are filthy rags on this day. If their name is not in the Lamb's book of life, every line on every page of the books of evidence indict them. These lines accuse them. Every page is evidence against them, and it is damning evidence. Look at verse 15 again. Verse 15, if anyone's name 
was not found written in the book of life. He was thrown into the lake of fire. So who gets thrown into the lake of fire? Who is it that has hell as their future? Those whose names are not in the book of life. Those who did not have a reservation. Those who were not believers in Jesus, saved by His blood. Those whose every word, thought, deed stood against them, crying out for God's justice to act in righteous wrath. Here's our second truth about the Lamb's book of life. Everyone whose name is not in the Lamb's book of life is thrown into the lake of fire. Remember, the day of judgment is a public event. Every angel, every person will be there. And every deed done in darkness will be brought into light. And as every wicked thought, every wicked attitude, every wicked word, every wicked action is revealed in the books of evidence, no one will thank God unjust when he pronounces his judgment. Just the opposite. Everything holy in any intelligent creature will cry out against you. As the books of evidence are read, the Father's righteous anger will be against you. The wrath of King Jesus from the throne will be against you. The Holy Spirit will be against you. The holy angels will be crying out for your judgment. And every human soul made perfect will appeal to God to vindicate His holy name by pouring out judgment on that sinner. All these beings will stand against you, not because they are cruel or evil, but because they are good and loving. And love demands that evil be both exposed and condemned. Friend, if your name is not in the book of life, there is only one fate ahead of you. Righteous suffering in hell. And it is my sober duty... To deliver that message to you. It's not a duty I rejoice in. But it is my sober duty before God. To deliver that message to you. Okay, but what about those whose names are in the book of life? What happens if your name is in the book? Look at Revelation 21. Verses 22 to 27. So next chapter, Revelation 21. Verses 22 to 27. Here, this is John describing heaven for us. And he's describing the ultimate heaven, the new heavens and the new earth. And remember, all through Revelation, John is using language we can understand to try and express the inexpressible. So listen as John describes this vision of heaven. And listen especially to what he says about who can enter This heavenly city. So Revelation 21 beginning in verse 22. John says. And I saw no temple in the city. For its temple is the Lord God. The Almighty and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives its light. And its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk. And the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. 
and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. But nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Who gets to enter the heavenly city where the glory of God is the light? It is those whose names are in the book. This is our third truth. Everyone whose name is in the Lamb's book of life will enter the heavenly city. Now wait a minute. What about the books of evidence? What about the record of their lives? Answer, that record has been washed in the blood of Jesus. So that every sinful thought, every sinful word, every sinful attitude, every sinful deed, it was all already paid for by Jesus at the cross. The punishment that those sins call for has already been meted out. Christ bore the condemnation. Christ bore the hell His people deserved for them on the cross so that all of the guilt is gone. Justice is already satisfied. And so what's left in the books? Well, after all sin has been covered by the blood of Jesus, we then find in the books of evidence thoughts, Words, actions, and attitudes done by Christ's people in faith. And these call out not for God's condemnation. These cry out for God's blessing. God loves to pour out His blessing on anything done in faith. So anytime that anything was ever thought, anytime anything was ever said, anytime anything was ever done, trusting Christ for the glory of Christ, that will bring rewards from the holy soul of God. For Christians, the day of judgment is not a day of condemnation. The day of judgment is a day of being exalted, of being honored for the good that they did in faith. You say, Justin, I've never done anything that was truly good because sin touches everything. And you're right. Even as Christians, the best thing you've ever done, even as you did it in faith, it was intermingled with sin. But Christ's blood has taken away all the sin. The guilt is gone and all that's left is the good. All that's left is the good that was done in faith and it is God's joy to honor the good. And so here is the importance of the Lamb's book of life. If your name is not in the book, your sins in the books of evidence will condemn you and your eternity will be spent in hell. But if your name is in the book, then not only will the books of evidence do you no harm, the books of evidence will bring you blessing as you enter into a blood-bought eternity in heaven. So I ask you again, dear friend, is your name in the Lamb's book of life? There's more to see. So here's what I want us to do. Um, there are questions to be answered. Look over at Revelation 3. Revelation 3. This is the first passage in Revelation that tells us about this book, this special book. 
Uh, Here, Jesus is calling on the Christians in the ancient city of Sardis to repent of their sin and to persevere in faith. Look at what Christ says in Revelation 3, verse 5. Revelation 3, verse 5. Jesus says, The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Mount Hermon, make sure you hear this verse rightly. Too many people have taken this verse and they've misunderstood it and it's led them into all kinds of misery. Some hear this verse and their immediate reaction is, oh no. Is this verse saying that my name might be in the book of life, but that Jesus might blot it out? Is it possible that Jesus might blot my name out of the book of life? And because they read the verse that way, they end up feeling insecure. And they begin doubting their salvation and they begin worrying, am I going to make it to heaven or not? What have I got to do to keep my name from being blotted out? Hear this. This verse was written to make you more secure in the faith, not less secure. It was meant to be an encouragement to the Christians of Sardis who were struggling under persecution. It was not meant to be a discouragement. There is only one group of people whose names are in the Lamb's book of life. Conquerors. Conquerors. It's not as if the book of life has some who conquer and some who don't. And Jesus blots out those who don't conquer, but the conquerors get to stay. No, the only names in the book are conquerors. That is, those who make it to the end of their lives still believing in Jesus. Not having been defeated by unbelief. And the question is this. After someone has lived a life of faith. And they've put all their hope in Christ. And they've made it to the end of their lives victorious. It was hard. They went through lost jobs and struggling relationships and cancer. And who knows what they've endured. But they've kept holding on. Even with their fingertips just barely but holding on to Christ is it possible they may get to the end of their lives and they kept believing and then Christ will let them down that they put all of their eggs in the basket of the Lord Jesus Christ and then they get to the day of judgment and Jesus decides you know what I'm not going to bring you to heaven after all could that happen This verse was written to say, absolutely not. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, wrapped in the righteousness of Jesus, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. Don't fear that Jesus will change his mind. This is different than what's called the book of the Lord in the Old Testament. Uh, The book of the Lord in Exodus 32. 
the Israelites who sinned against God in the wilderness, they were blotted out of God's book. That is, those who would make it into the promised land. They were God's people, Israel, but because of their rebellion, most of that people were blotted out. They didn't make it into the land of milk and honey. Jesus says in the new covenant, things are very different. Because all of God's people believe. And all of God's people will be kept by him and will make it to the end and they will conquer. And they can be sure they will not get there on the last day and find that their reservation isn't there. They will be given entrance into heaven. The conqueror in this verse is the person who has made it to the very end of their lives still believing. They've run their race. They fought their fight. And despite a thousand temptations to turn away from Jesus, to cast aside God's word, to disbelieve his promises, that person has conquered unbelief. That person made it to their last breath, still believing, still trusting, putting all of their hope in Jesus. And Revelation 3 verse 5 says that person need not fear that Jesus will ever let them down. His book of life is the book of conquerors. And he'll make sure that every one of them makes it to heaven safely. It's actually the same truth taught in John 10. That Jesus will not lose any of the sheep given to him by his Father. That every single person who comes to Jesus with saving faith, lasting faith, enduring faith, will find that Jesus welcomes them, claims them, confesses them before the Father. And they are in the Lamb's book of life and they need not fear. So this is truth number four. Jesus will not fail to keep his promises to every person who believes on him. They will all be found in the Lamb's book of life. Jesus will not fail to keep his promises to every person who believes on him. They will all be found in the Lamb's book of life. Now, two more passages about the Lamb's book of life and Revelation, and they both teach our last two truths. So I'm just going to read Revelation 17, verse 8, and then we'll focus on Revelation 13, verse 8, because both truths are taught in both verses. So first, Revelation 17, verse 8. Revelation 17, 8. The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to rise from the bottomless pit and go to destruction. And the dwellers on earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world will marvel to see the beast because it was and is not and is to come. Okay, so there's, there's a, a beast, a creature, a monster. And everyone who is not in the book of life will marvel at the beast. So Revelation 17, 8 says the whole world can be split into two categories. Those who will marvel at the beast and those who won't. Uh, those who marvel at the beast, they are not in the Lamb's book of life. And those who don't marvel at the beast... Those who are not seduced by him are those who are in the Lamb's book of life. And the verse tells us that these people's names were written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. Now let me show it to you again. I think it's even a little clearer in Revelation 13 verse 8. Same two truths. Revelation 13 verse 8. 
Here's what it says. Revelation 13, verse 8. And all who dwell on earth will worship it, that is the beast, everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. So here we go. Truth number five. Those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life will not worship the beast. Those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life, they will not worship the beast. Notice in our verse who does worship the beast. Everybody else. We are told that all who dwell on earth will worship the beast. Now, we don't have time for an in-depth study on the beast today. Okay, so let me just tell you that the beast is not some futuristic antichrist only, at least not just that. The beast comes straight from the book of Daniel, where ungodly cultures are described in beastly terms. The beast represents the ungodly cultures of this world. The beast is a picture of the ways of this world, uh, the ungodly loves of this world, the allures of this world. It's human pride. It's the attempt of people to make much of themselves, to serve themselves, to, to exalt themselves. The beast ultimately is worldliness. The beast is worldliness. And every human being will be seduced by worldliness. Every human being will, will, will be choked by the thorns of worldliness. They will live for worldliness. This world will be everything to them. And, and, and money will be everything to them. And possessions will be everything to them. And the thrills of this world and relationships of this world, it will be their life. Except there will be one little group of people who will not be seduced by the here and now. There will be one little group of people who will, who will not give in to worldliness. They will be saved out of it, and they will no longer bow to it. And these are the ones whose names are in the book. Christians will be in the world, but not of it. And notice this very carefully. This is really important. It's not that they reject the beast, and therefore their names are in the book. That is not what it says. It does not say this person came out of worldliness, rejected worldliness, and followed Jesus, and therefore their names are in the book. No, it says the opposite. It says because their names are already in the book, they turn from the world and follow Jesus. It's because their names are already in the book that they're saved out of worldliness and turn away from it. In other words, these people are different. These people are set apart not because of their own doing, but because the Lamb has claimed them. Jesus is setting them apart. Jesus is giving them faith. Jesus is turning them away from worldliness. We do not put our names in the Lamb's book of life by following Jesus. We follow Jesus because our name's already in the Lamb's book of life. If you are a Christian... Here this morning. It is not because of anything that you have done. If you're a Christian here this morning. Your salvation is owing to one thing and one thing only. Jesus Christ chose to make you his. 
And when the sovereign king chooses to reach into his heart and to make you new, you become new. And your eyes are opened. And suddenly when you turn your eyes upon Jesus, the stuff of earth just doesn't seem so great anymore. And worldliness loses its power. This is our sixth truth. The names in the Lamb's book of life were written. Fifth truth. Which number are we on? Okay, good. Sixth truth. Thank you. The names in the Lamb's book of life were written there before the foundation of the world. Both 13.8 and 17.8 of Revelation say this. That it's not that somebody becomes a Christian and then their name is written in the Lamb's book of life. That's how it was preached to me as a kid in revival services. Do you want your name in the Lamb's book of life? Come to Jesus. Come pray this prayer. Come walk this aisle. Come be baptized. And your name can be put in the book. That's not how it works. The book's written, folks. The book is already written. Before the foundation of the world, before any of us were born, Jesus chose for himself a people for his own possession. He chose them with a special love. He chose to make them his bride. He decided that he would personally come to live and to die for them. If you are a Christian, your reservation seat at the wedding supper of the Lamb was reserved before you even existed. Your place at that table has been being held since before you were even born. Before anything existed, before the foundations of the world, Jesus put your name in the book and he determined to do everything necessary to make sure you make it safely to that glorious day where you get to fill your seat. So here's the question. Justin, how can I know if my name is in the book? And friends, I'm thankful to tell you it's an easy answer. You just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, your name is in the book. (laughs) Be a conqueror. Be one of those people who choose to trust Jesus and to hold fast to Him till the day you die. Be one of those people who reject the beast, who don't live for the stuff of this world, but chooses to follow Jesus instead. At the end of the day, those in the Lamb's book of life are those who are trusting in Jesus and Jesus alone for salvation. Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you can be sure He will be faithful to you on the last day. He will welcome you to heaven itself. Don't put your faith anywhere else. It will fail you. Your bank account won't matter in heaven. The record of what you think is your good deeds, that will not work for you in heaven. The fact that your grandma went to church will not get you, get you into heaven. There's only one door. And He is the Lord Jesus Christ and the Lord Jesus Christ alone. So how should we come to the Lord's table this morning? We should come rejoicing. Uh, In Luke 10, the 72 disciples that Jesus had sent out 
returned to him rejoicing. And they said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. They were excited. They had gone into cities and there had been people that were demon possessed. And they had used the name of Jesus and the demons fled. And they came back to Jesus and they said, Jesus, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And do you remember what Jesus said in response? He said, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you. But rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Jesus says, this is the higher thing, the better thing, the greater thing, the thing that should cause my people to rejoice. Dear believer in Jesus Christ, your name is written in heaven. Your reservation is secure. Your spot at the table already has your name on it. It's just just waiting for you to get there. Your place has been reserved since the foundation of the world, and Jesus died to make sure that you get to your spot. He will never blot out your name. He's working to make sure you get there safely, and he will not fail. So trust in your Savior's love for you. Trust in his power to keep you believing even when it's hard. And come to this table this morning rejoicing that you have a reservation at the better table to come. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.